The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to Washed Away, a podcast that breathes new life into Washington State's coldest cases. I'm your host, Ashley Smith, and on this episode, I'll be giving you some updates on a few cases that you've heard about on the show. Let's start with number one, Mary Anderson. So back in 2021, the King County Medical Examiner's Office partnered with Othram to use advanced DNA testing and forensic genealogy to try and finally identify or at least find the closest living relatives to Mary Anderson. This was big news and a huge development in an otherwise very, very cold, mysterious case from the 90s. DNA Solves, the crowdfunding platform, was used to raise funds for Mary's DNA testing because unfortunately it is not free to do. And luckily her case was funded in full. I think the goal was $5,000. So that's pretty incredible. Thank you if you donated. Uh, I did, but definitely not $5,000 worth. So I know there were a lot of other people out there uh, who contributed. But since then, there have been no other updates. I did hear unofficially that there just weren't any matches for Mary in the system or anyone close to Mary in the system. So while this was the best lead available, it was a bit of a dead end. So now the professionals behind all of this who have been IDing other John Doe's and Jane Doe's around the country, they're working on building out the genealogical branches of what would have been Mary's family tree. And it's a complicated process. It takes a really long time. If you uh, are curious to learn more about it, I did talk to Jane Jorgensen from the Snohomish County Medical Examiner's Office about this on the Snow Code Doze episode. So I would go back and listen to that episode. So yeah, Mary's identity is still a mystery, but it is a work in progress. And you never know, maybe this will be the year we finally figure out or find out, you know, who she was. Next, we have Tom Wales. In October 2021, for the 20-year anniversary of Tom's murder, the FBI upped the reward for information in his murder case to $2.5 million. I can't remember ever seeing a larger reward for any case ever. Can you? That is just an insane amount of money. I'm shocked that no one has come forward with valuable information to claim that money. And while a Bellevue pilot who Tom Wales had prosecuted before his death has been 
the prime suspect since 2001 and continues to be a prime suspect, FBI agents are now saying that there were likely multiple individuals involved in this murder, and they officially cannot rule out that this wasn't a hired hit. Now let's move on to another Doe case, Helen Doe. In early 2022, the Washington State Patrol announced that Helen Doe had been given an updated sketch, which I did post on the Washed Away Instagram. It was done by past guest and forensic artist Natalie Murray. She had done the original sketch as well, but the new sketch came with the help of a group called Lost and Missing in Indian Country, and it definitely looks more current as well as realistic to what Helen probably looked like. We only know according to, you know, eyewitness accounts. So that's the best guess of what she probably looked like. The Washington State Patrol has also released an updated map of the route that the truck Helen was in could have traveled, at least according to available fuel records. And I know it's a long shot, but it really doesn't hurt to take a look at the new sketch, especially if you knew Any truck drivers, maybe they were a friend, maybe you dated someone, maybe your dad or mom or grandparents were truck drivers back in the day. We're talking May 1991. And if they were a truck driver during that time and traveled through either Missouri, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, Oregon, or Washington, that could be very, very useful in this case. Again, a huge long shot, but you never know. Then, just a few months ago, it was announced that investigators will be using genetic genealogy in Helen's case as well to try and identify her. So both Helen and Mary's true identities could come to light soon thanks to the many incredible advances in DNA and genealogy, which is very cool. And again, they need money to do these tests and to build these trees. And so that's why when it's announced that they'll start doing that for a specific case, it's exciting because, because it means there's work being done and, you know, hopefully that leads to something. The next case you were probably following updates for because it was all over the internet at the time, but now let's, you know, really get into what was real, what wasn't, and what we found out in the process. I'm talking about Sophia Juarez. So this case was all over the internet in 2021. 2021 was a busy year for updates, obviously. Uh, And that's when a video of a woman who looked a lot like a grown-up Sophia Juarez went viral on TikTok. In the video, the unidentified woman gave an interview saying that basically she had been kidnapped at a young age and grew up with distant relatives in Mexico. The video was completely in Spanish, so it was translated and people were tagging me in it and being like, is this Sophia? Because it was just immediately, I think folks thought, could this be Sophia Juarez all grown up? I mean, that story, that face, like, how is that not her? And this woman was not easy to find. After that went viral, there was some pressure put on the Kennewick Police Department to look into this. Uh, I don't even know if she gave her name in the original video, but the video was done Uh, by like a random man on the street style content creator. So it's not something that she like signed a form or, you know, nothing was official about it. It wasn't easy to track that person down after they were randomly interviewed, you know, sitting on a bench. Uh, But the Kennewick Police Department eventually did track this woman down and they did test her DNA. In 2022, they announced that the DNA was not a match to the Juarez family. So 
though it would have been pretty incredible to find Sophia alive and well all these years later. Unfortunately, that is just not what happened. There is a new lead in Sophia's case, though, and I'm shocked that it wasn't around when she went missing, or maybe it just wasn't released to the public when she went missing. But either way, someone came forward saying they remember seeing Sophia crying or a little girl crying uh, and being led to a van on the night she went missing. There was a man, I guess, leading her to this vehicle. Seems very, very significant. The witness also gave a description of this man. They said he was a Hispanic juvenile male, 11 to 14 years old at the time, and this was in 2003. He was about five foot tall with a possible distinguishing mark on his cheek, and he had dark, short, wavy hair. I mean, it's been 20 years now, so while that is hopefully helpful, his appearance has no doubt changed since then. Also, the description calling him a man when he was actually a teenager or a boy seems odd because that also seems significant. The van in this sighting was light blue or a silver gray color. It was an older 1970s to early 1980s full-sized panel van with no side windows. And there's a $10,000 reward being offered for further information in this case. So if that van sounds familiar, if you lived in the area around that time and maybe that teenage boy in association with that van is you know, setting off some light bulbs in your brain, some memories. Um, if you know anything like that, please do get in touch with the Kennewick Police Department. This next update isn't really an update. It's just something I thought was worth mentioning. So I'm talking about the Mary Cooper, Susanna Stodden murder case. Um, there really have not been any updates in the double murder of mom and daughter, Mary Cooper and Susanna Stodden. But in early 2022, I was tagged in a post on Twitter about a fired Seattle Police Department officer who had allegedly told a woman that he was dating in 2006 that he considered killing to be an aphrodisiac. And he liked to take long drives in the Snohomish County mountains, which is where Mary and Susanna were murdered. During that same conversation, he also allegedly brought up the murders of Mary and Susanna and bragged about the case being unsolved. I don't know if he had just heard about it in the department, seen it on the news, you know, it was a local thing, or if he was actually maybe working on that case in some way. Um, but definitely red flags all around. Uh, so once the woman and the officer broke up, she called SPD to report this and asked them to look into him as a suspect in those murders. Apparently, they said that the officer was working on the day that Mary and Susanna were killed, but it's unclear how deeply they actually looked into it or where he might have been working that day, if his whole day could be accounted for, that sort of thing. It's also unclear if this even is a promising tip or lead or even, you know, the truth. He he could have been lying. We, I truly have no idea. I'm sure the person who posted this has no idea. And I don't know how we would figure that out. Um, also, the officer has not been named as a suspect in this case, so I will not be naming him on the podcast. But I thought it was something worth mentioning because if there is even a tiny possibility that someone listening also knew that officer, also heard that officer mention that case, 
and they never knew someone else knew that he had told someone, you know what I mean? Like if, if someone else is out there that can corroborate this and they come forward, that could be huge if this actually is a true thing. So that's why I wanted to include it. If you do know anything, I, I'll include links to all these updates to everywhere that you can uh, put in tips, all the contact info for each department. But just if you know anything in this case, please, please, please come forward. I feel so much for David, Mary's husband, and Susanna's father, who I talked to for that episode. I just, ugh, I hope he gets answers. Finally, let's talk about some Snohomish County updates. The last episode that I released was all about the Snohomish County Jane and John Doe's, both identified and unidentified. And they recently announced that they had identified another doe. I-5 Stilly Doe is now known to be Othaniel Philip Ames. He had been found in a river in July 1980. This person had no trauma or evidence of drowning, but had severe coronary artery disease. So it's actually thought that this death was natural. This was just a person who no one could identify. Turns out Ames had moved to Washington in 1951 with his wife and kids. He was a woodworker and a winemaker in the early 1960s. He and his wife separated. And so he moved to a small cabin in the woods in Arlington. He was last known alive sometime in early 1980 when he was 82 years old, which is significantly older than the unidentified person was estimated to be, which is really interesting. Othaniel was apparently not reported missing or he was reported missing, but the missing person's records were lost over time, which was not an uncommon thing to happen during the transition from paper to digital records. We actually didn't talk about Stilly Doe on that last episode, but I just wanted to share that because Snohomish County continues to make IDs on their Doe cases while other counties do not. And I just think it's incredible and such a testament to the work that Jane Jorgensen and her team are doing. It's very, very promising. And I believe that's it. If I missed any updates on cases that have been featured on Washed Away, please reach out and let me know. If you'd like to hear new episodes of the show, I know it's been a while, please be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen and leave a five-star rating or review if you can. I read all your reviews, all your comments, all your emails. It means so much that people love the podcast. I wish I had more time to work on it. I really, really do. I make podcasts for a living. I'm a professional podcast producer. So unfortunately, at the end of the day, after I've worked on everyone else's podcast, mine kind of gets, you know, pushed to the back burner. But that being said, I do have three to four episodes in the works, three interviews already recorded. Uh, and their stories that I would love to get out. So hopefully you'll be hearing them very soon. Washed Away is a Cosmic Bigfoot production with music by I Speak Waves and Joe Prestone and artwork by Shane Long. It's hosted by me, Ashley Smith. I'm also the producer, editor, and everything else of this podcast, meaning Washed Away is a one-woman show. You can support my work by leaving a five-star rating or review wherever you listen and by sharing these episodes on social media. Speaking of, follow Washed Away on Twitter and Instagram at WashedAwayPod. To see show notes and sources for each episode, visit WashedAwayPodcast.com. And yes, you can send in case suggestions. Email me, WashedAwayPodcast at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for listening, especially through the credits. I'll have another episode ready for you very soon.